Susan Taylor podcast, where we discuss the yoga of mind, medicine, and healing. Author of Feeling Good Matters, Sexual Radiance, and the Vital Energy Program, Dr. Taylor imparts authentic knowledge and practical tools that inspire, educate, and empower us to be a healing force for positive change. So join us and take your life and our planet to the next level. Hello and welcome to episode 74, Does Water Affect Your Mood? A look at hydration. Although it's well known that water is essential for human survival, it's only within the last decade or so that we have begun to understand the role in the maintenance of brain function. You know, it makes sense. Our brain is 75% water, so when we get dehydrated, our brain actually shrinks. Even mild dehydration, which can be caused by simply exercising on a hot day, has been shown to change brain function. In today's episode, I'd like to discuss the physiology behind hydration, the mood hydration connection, and how to increase your cellular hydration. We know that water is a natural resource that's required by everyone, all of us needed to satisfy our health-related needs. It includes our body composition, mental focus, sleep, and even recovery. And it's evident that water is one of the key elements responsible for all human life on earth, as well as animals, of course, and plants, and all living force, anything that's living, and it's vital for survival. The human brain is composed of 95% water, lungs 90%, blood 83%, muscle 76%, bones 22% water. So we can see that there's an important component that water are, uh, we can see the importance of how water is needed for our body to maintain its health as well as our mind-body complex. So we see the importance of how water is so useful in the health of our body-mind complex. Most people drink below their daily recommended quota, at least that's what's been reported. And even if they do drink their daily quota, they really don't absorb necessarily what's needed intracellularly. Research has been reported in the Journal of Nutrition. It was called Mild Dehydration Affects Mood in Healthy Young Women. And in this study, they reported that in healthy young women, there were mild levels of dehydration which resulted in adverse changes in key mood states, such as their vigor, fatigue, as well as increasing of headaches when they were dehydrated, difficulty concentrating, you know, without substantially altering any key aspects of really cognitive performance. I tried to find a relation between cognitive performance and dehydration, and I couldn't find that, although I still think that there's an issue with that. But I couldn't find research to back it up, so I won't report on that. It's also been revealed that even mild or temporary dehydration can alter brain function and even impact our mood. It was reported in 2013 in the British Journal of Nutrition. In this study, they used 20 healthy women in their mid-20s, and they were deprived of all beverages for 24 hours. And while there was no clinical abnormalities that were shown or observed, you know, in the biological parameters that they use in studies like urine, blood, saliva, Uh, thirst and heart rate did increase and urine output was drastically reduced. Now that's common, but you know, 
and then I'll just say, as expected, their urine uh, did become darker because that happens. But as far as mood effects, well, the authors noted that there were significant effects of fluid deprivation on the mood, including a decreased alertness and increased sleepiness, fatigue, and confusion. And any of us would know that if we had, we didn't drink enough. I know that I find that I get a little bit tired or sleepy feeling. The most consistent effects of mild dehydration on mood are the sleep-wake parameters that people find. That's why I've heard people even say, when you feel tired, you know, drink a glass of water and it'll perk you up. Now, this again is from a very Western, Western paradigm that I'm talking about. Next week, I'll talk about an Eastern paradigm in looking at this. But for today, I'm really going to be speaking about the Western approach. But what they did find in this study, back to the same study, is within 20 minutes of drinking some of the water, the effects are usually reversed. So dehydration-induced headaches are also rapidly alleviated once you're rehydrated. Now, I know there's controversy on whether cold water versus warm water actually what absorbs more. Studies show that cold water absorbs faster because it leaves the stomach. However, I still think that warm water has a more a different effect on the mind and I would suspect it's probably more utilized but that's an opinion that's not what the research shows okay so let's move on and look about let's talk more about water and what it really means and what hydration is all about we know that all chemical reactions in our life take place in aqueous solutions you need liquid to have that happen and hydration is the key to all biochemical and physiological happenings actually in the body because as we get older we know we dry out it's going from a plum to a prune and so that's really what go what takes place in the dehydration process but what happens when we lack the sufficient fluid to allow cellular mechanisms to actually happen and that's perhaps one of the reasons behind our problems uh, that we have is this, we don't have enough water in our cellular mechanisms, and that's what I'm going to focus on today. So hydration can be the reason for that. You know, we take supplements and we assume that they're going to be absorbed and utilized in our body. And, you know, we know from some of the past podcasts that our digestive function is not at all up to par many times, and it's not equal among all of us. And, you know, what gets absorbed from one might not get absorbed or even utilized by another. So we have to keep that in mind always. And first and foremost, the gut needs to absorb nutrients for them to work. We know that. So we're not talking about restoring the gut here in this podcast, but it's about an entire, because that's a whole entire protocol that I work with. We do podcast courses and everything on this, but I can give you some tips on how to hydrate your cells so that your absorption of nutrients can actually improve. But let me turn and focus on cellular hydration for a moment and give you, you know, some of the biochemistry that I've studied in my work in, in this lifetime to really talk about intracellular and intercellular uh, or extracellular and intracellular, uh, you know, hydration principles, you know, because there's a lot more to hydration than drinking eight glasses of water a day. I mean, people say drink your eight glasses of water. I know that I could drink eight glasses of water a day and I can tell you I could still be dehydrated because I'm one of those people if we look from a, from a traditional Chinese medicine or an Ayurvedic perspective, and I'll get into this next week, uh, my absorption isn't like someone who doesn't have the same uh, physiological or anatomical qualities to them. 
What's really important though is how much water reaches our cells and how our cells use it and everyone's different. Let's turn now to our mitochondria. The mitochondria are the powerhouses of the cell. They use hydrogen and water to make energy and the hydrogen and water also binds to free radicals. Remember free radicals you know, it's, we can rust. That's what causes rust radicals, right? Oxygen. And so free radicals are oxygen species, reactive oxygen species that are floating around from our own metabolic uh, relations that are going on. And they need to be quenched and they need to be removed out. And we need to get rid of them, keeping inflammation low because when they're too high, we know that that's inflammation. You can also use electrolytes, fiber, uh, protection from our internet, any of the EMF vibrations that really happen, and using maybe better water quality. And we can work with that and improve performance and ability to have better moods. So I'm going to go through those today in this podcast. So as I said, even though we drink eight glasses of water a day, unfortunately, that doesn't translate into the water inside the cell. Think about it. Two thirds of the body is composed of water with a ratio of two to one. That's extracellular versus intracellular. And we want them in the cells. That's what I'm talking about here. Because you can give someone an IV, it's been reported, with many liters and they're still dehydrated of fluid, many liters of fluid. And it turns out that it's really the reason of why we age. You know, the aging process, we always say we dry out. We lose our ability to get water from the vascular system to our uh to the extracellular environment, in from the extracellular into the intracellular uh to stay hydrated. And that's what happens. And if we could bring that extracellular to the intracellular environment, then our aging just might slow down. And if not reverse for some reason and be a lot slower because water is the ultimate element that allows our metabolic reactions to take place. As I mentioned, including removal of toxins, you know, the reaction, uh, reactive oxygen species, but also toxins that we have in our environment, you know, that happen. And we want to just be able to wash them away. And water is the best washing substance for that. You know, in biochemistry, I've been using the word mitochondria. So I'm going to talk about it for a minute. We learn that, you know, we learn about the intracellular and the extracellular uh, water tables in the body and how they how they work together. But there's the mitochondria, which I just like to spend a moment on. And they're your energy powerhouses. And they use hydrogen molecules in the water to make energy, which we call ATP. And the mitochondria take the sugar and fat out of our out of our diet, our bloodstream, and turn it into ATP or lymphatic system, but it's circulating around. That's what I'm talking about. And we take that, they break it down and it makes our energy current, which is ATP. And it, it happens with a few enzymatic reactions that happen in the respiratory chain, which is embedded in the walls of the mitochondria. And in the last step of this reaction, it requires four hydrogens, uh, two oxygens, and it creates with the two electrons. And what we do, it gives us the ATP. And given that water has two hydrogens for every oxygen and they're concerted electrons to finish this last step of energy production, we need to have water. That's the point here. You need to have water. And water's H2O, right? Two hydrogens to one water. So we need two molecules of water to make that happen. So with aging or inflammation or any decline in our life force, it's ultimately one of either a loss of fuel production at the mitochondria level. You know, it's, 
it's ultimately one of a loss of fuel production. We need to have that ATP and fuel production uh, at the mitochondrial level for things to really uh, keep working for us, the respiratory chain. So as you get dehydrated, you then don't have enough oxygen and hydrogen in the form of water inside the cell. That's what happens. And you lose the ability for your powerhouse, right, the mitochondria, to give you the energy production that's needed for cellular and, for that matter, brain function. So keep in mind that oxygen is not only derived from the air, but it's also derived from the hydrolysis of this intracellular water that gives you your hydrogen and oxygen. Remember, again, water has two hydrogens and one oxygen, as I mentioned earlier. So keep in mind also, just as a reminder, the hydrogen in the water is what binds to the free radicals or helps bind to the free radicals and gets rid of them, keeping your inflammation low. That's why they have water with hydrogen uh, molecules in it. But it's not that simple. And uh, it's something that it's much better, I think, happening on the inside level, even if we feed ourselves again we have to have the inside levels working with all the organ systems and that's why I feel it necessary to talk about the second part of this next week. Now people have asked me well how do I know if I'm hydrated? I'm just going to be brief about this. They're able in science we have research tools that can actually measure the electricity through your cells in an ideal it's, it's ideally a way to really test cellular hydration when at that moment in that time. And it's called phase angle. And when your cells are hydrated, their membranes stay tight and organized. And it can help hold and pass an electrical charge. Because remember, we're all electrical beings. That's why we have so much difficult with the EMF you know, radiation really affecting our water balance within the body itself. Uh, so keep that in mind. So the phase angle is a measurement and it shows how well your cells carry and pass on electrical charge. And they say, you know, a phase angle of 10 means your cells are perfectly hydrated, perfect shape. And if it gets below 3.5, they said, well, you're probably on the place of expiration because you need cellular hydration to stay alive and well. So I can say that health cellular hydration matters for your mood, right? If you're not having the, the necessary uh, fluid that you need to drive nutrients, to drive cellular reactions, enzymatic reactions, even to convert nutrients to our neurotransmitters in our brain, of course our mood is going to be effect, uh, affected. So let me just look at some of the ways in which we can actually increase our hydration that will help you to just get started. We need to get electrolytes for better hydration. And the best way to hydrate is to use electrolytes dissolved in water to give it the ability to conduct electricity within your body. Water on its own doesn't actually conduct electricity. You know, if you were to zap pure distilled water uh, the electricity wouldn't go anywhere. It's only when you add electrolytes to the water does it hold a charge. So many cells uh, run on this electricity. So we want to have plenty of those electrolytes dissolved in our cellular water so that our cells can carry that electrical charge. So that makes sense, doesn't it? Because many of our brain cells, for example, have high voltage gated ion channels. That's a fancy way to say that they communicate with each other and that's how the neurotransmission takes place. 
You want to make sure that you have plenty of electrolytes so this can really happen. And the most important electrolytes that we see are sodium, chloride, potassium, magnesium, and calcium. And what we can do is we want to balance all of those. And there are many drinks that do this, but they say that it's better to take the electrolytes through supplementation, adding it to the water than in the, uh, the drinks that call themselves electrolyte drinks. The next is fiber, fiber for gut hydration. And I bring this up because there are many people out on the keto diet and if they don't have enough fiber, well, it'll last a while, maybe a year or so, but there's gonna be some dehydration issues uh, associated with that, I believe, later on. And again, that's my opinion because another component or important component of keeping the body well hydrated is fiber. In fact, it's one of the most important mechanisms in which our fruits, vegetables, and ultimately our body are going to manage water. You know, you take the fiber out of a fruit, it doesn't have any, it dries out. That's how we stay, uh, that's how things stay hydrated. Fiber helps you as well as the plants and it adds bulk to your food and makes the food stay in your gut longer, which allows you to digest food more fully and get more nutrients out of it. And soluble fiber, they're soluble and insoluble, of course, but we'll talk about the soluble because it absorbs a lot of water as it passes through your system and it distributes it through the intestinal wall. So instead of your water being peed out right away or left leaving the body right away, it heads to your bloodstream and gets into your cells. Keep that in mind. Vegetables are packed with fiber as well as antioxidants, of course, lots of nutrients and the polyphenols that make your brain stronger. So fruits and vegetables also contain other valuable micronutrients. And you can look into that or, you know, th there's many charts on that. And they really help the gut microbiome uh, in and of itself in keeping hydrated and viable. D take this viable. So take it. If you take a prune and put it into water versus a plum and put it into water, it's very hard to bring that prune back to full plum level. And so keep that in mind. We want to keep our intestines nice and hydrated also. And the third are the electromagnetic fields uh, that mess with our cellular hydration. We have the EMFs, the electromagnetic fields from Wi-Fi, cell phones, radio towers, and other wireless e electronics that interfere with the cell's natural electric currents. And that's why you have to be really careful. And again, we in our home, I said this, I think it was even last week, we turn off our routers at night because you really need your cells to get a break from constantly being bombarded. And this is why your cell membranes have little gaps in them called tight junctions that organize and direct the flow of electricity across your cell membrane. Tight junctions also control what can get in and out of your cells. It, it's the junction, it's the doors that let things in and out of your cells. They keep damaging compounds out. They're the damage control, they're watching your cells. EMFs loosen your tight junction, so they loosen it up, they loosen up the hinge. And research has shown that exposing brain cells to an EMF signal loosens junctions in the blood-brain barrier, and that's the lining of your brain that keeps it safe. Loosening your tight junctions also causes electricity to leak and messes with the electrical communications across your cell membrane. So even if you have plenty of water and electrolytes, you're still going to be loosening up that junction. And that's why I always suggest again and again, turn off your Wi-Fi router before going to bed. 
And lastly, I'd like to just say water quality does matter. You know, if you're using a reverse osmosis, you're taking a lot of the minerals or probably all of them out of your water. And, you know, filter, you want to filter your water to properly hydrate, but you also have to be careful of what you're taking out if you're taking out minerals. You know, tap water in general contains potent carcinogens like chlorine and, and chloramine as well as fluoride and messes up with your thyroid hormones. So keep in mind what I really offered today was we want to get electrolytes to you and you want to do that with uh, adding them to your water and you want to have fiber for gut hydration. You want to really consider the exposure to the EMF, the electromagnetic fields, because that loosens up your tight junctions. And you want to really use the proper filtering system for your water, clean what you don't need, but keep in some of the essence that you do need. And that brings us to the end of this podcast, but next week I'll talk about hydration from the ancient wisdom of the East and give you some tips on how to hydrate based on that paradigm. If you like the show, please share the knowledge by sending this link to someone. It's really important to help us grow our community by sharing knowledge, especially if you think someone would benefit from the podcast. The Susan Taylor Podcast does come out every week and is available on susantaylor.org iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and other podcast formats. SusanTaylor.org is for, for all of you in the community. So if you have any questions or comments or feedback, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And again, support me by sharing this podcast. And thanks for listening. And until next time, remain calm.